Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Rebuild the Bull podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile. And of course, the Bulls have stumbled out of the gate here at 0-3. The first two games against the Atlanta Hawks and Indiana Pacers were embarrassing blowouts. I guess that's the best way to describe it. And game three, things got a little bit better against the Warriors. Still a loss, though. Last second three-point shot that uh, probably shouldn't have happened because the NBA got a five-second inbounds call wrong. But regardless, the Bulls still are 0-3. We've seen more positives from that last game. And, of course, they have a game tonight against the Washington Wizards. So hopefully some things start to turn around tonight. I'm sitting here, of course, um, believe it or not, a day before my 32nd birthday. Yes, I'll be turning the big 3-2 on December 30th. And I'm uh, doing a lot of reflecting. And, and I was also reflecting on the Chicago Bulls. I was reflecting actually on Sunday, just before the game against the Warriors that, that night. And I kept thinking back to a team that I really enjoyed watching when I was younger. It was high school age. It was the Baby Bulls. This Baby Bulls group played in, in around 2003 to about uh, 2009. They were just right before Derrick Rose. And the reason I'm bringing this up, I know some of our listeners are a bit younger. And some of them actually, they're really too young to, to remember this team. But the Baby Bulls, I fell in love with them because they were coming off the heels of some dark years following the, the dynasty of the 90s. Right, So after winning six titles in the 90s, it was followed up by porous rebuild attempts by Jerry Krause. And eventually, John Paxson took over. And early in John Paxson's tenure, I think he did a, a pretty masterful job of building a very competitive playoff contending team. Not necessarily a title contender, but a playoff contending team. And I really loved that team because they were a tough, gritty team. They could play lockdown defense. They just gave effort every single night. You know, Norm Van Leer, former Bull, used to be on the pre- and post-game coverage for many years. He used to use the term 48 minutes of intensity, right? That was his whole motto. Like, you had to have 48 minutes of intensity, and you had to have the willingness to play defense. And that team, the Baby Bulls, with Kirk Heinrich, Ben Gordon, Lou Aldang, Andres Nocioni, Chris Duhon, those guys embodied it. And I was actually thinking of them because as I'm watching this current team here in 2020-2021, I'm uh, reminded of the first year the Baby Bulls made the playoffs. Okay, so in 2004-2005, this team that had a rookie Ben Gordon and a rookie Lou Aldang, second-year player in Kirk Heinrich, Andres Nocioni was technically a rookie as well. He was an international free agent who signed with the Bulls coming out of the Olympics that year from Argentina. And this team, I remember I was, I think I would have been a sophomore in high school at the time. That team came out of the gate 0-9 and 3-14 through the first 17 games. They had a rough, rough start to the season. But they rallied and they put together some impressive winning streaks and they had these stretches where they were locking down teams. Ben Gordon found a groove coming off the bench. Kirk Heinrich was getting into a groove in his second year. Luol Deng was showing that he was a really good two-way player. 
Andres Nocioni was showing that he was a really good two-way player and a real pest on the defensive end of the floor. The second-round pick, Chris Duhon, was showing that he could play a little bit. And Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry both were putting together some impressive seasons to that year. I remember there was this game, Martin Luther King Day of uh, 2005. It was at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. And the Bulls won in the in the last seconds of that game. I remember Ben Gordon hit a key shot. I think Tyson Chandler had a key defensive stop at the end, and they won that game. And the Bulls finished the year 47-35. and 47-35. and 35. And I think they were then the fourth seed in the East that year. But that was a, a team that started the year slow with a, a newer voice in the room. Scott Skiles had come on at the end of the year prior. In the 03-04 season, he was hired, I think, that late December, January of that season by John Paxson. But he was sort of a new voice in the room. And it made me think of what's going on right now with Billy Donovan and this current Chicago Bulls group. Now, I had put that thought out there, and I asked uh, Doug Tonus and, and C. Red Fred to chime in on Twitter because when they started podcasting, we're around that time of the baby Bulls. And I know they have a, a deep connection to that team like I do. And I think the three of us share one common opinion. And this is a big difference compared to this Bulls team. This Bulls team does not have the defensive prowess that that team had, that the Baby Bulls had. You know, the Baby Bulls, like I said, their, their identity was on the defensive end of the floor. They had nights where they couldn't score. You know, they'd have games where they were scoring only in the 70s, 80s. But they could still lock down other teams where they could stay in games and stay competitive against any team in the league. This Bulls team, they don't necessarily have that. You know, they're not they're not there defensively. And to go back to that 04-05 season, it took a while for things to click. And as we were coming into this season, I had brought that up a bit that while I was optimistic that we could see some real development and growth with this current roster with the core four, I still felt that it would take some time. You know, one of the main reasons this start of the season's tough. They're going to face some really tricky opponents coming up. I know they got the Lakers and the Celtics twice on the schedule as we get into January. It's only going to get tougher at the start of this season. But I really felt, and I brought this up in some past episodes, especially in our, our preview episodes, that I really thought the second half of the season was when the Bulls could hit their stride. And I really think come late January, early February is when we might see some of the bad tendencies start to break. And I think that's the key. So real quick, if we go back to that, that 0405 team, for those of you that remember, I don't know if they really had bad tendencies. They were just young. Because like I said, two of those players were rookies. Luol Deng, Ben Gordon were rookies. Kirk Heinrich was in year two. Chris Duhon was a rookie. Andres Nocioni was in his first year in the NBA. So they were kind of learning the ropes. Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry, those were two players trying to break bad tendencies that they had developed under Bill Cartwright. But for the most part, that was a team. You know, they had a veteran presence in Antonio Davis. They were kind of learning as they went along. And, and you know, they I don't know if they had, though, the bad tendencies that we see with this current team. So if we look at this 2021 version of the Chicago Bulls. There's some tendencies that we've seen. Coming out of the gate here, turnovers have been a big problem. Third game against the Golden State Warriors, they had 24 turnovers. And 
the alarming trend that I think we've seen the last couple years, at least I've noticed, these turnovers happen in games where the Bulls have a lead. It's almost like the Bulls take a 10-point lead and they see the other team hit a shot. And next possession is an empty possession for the Bulls. Opposing team comes down, scores again, and then it's, something gets in the Bulls' head. These players sort of get rattled like, oh, here we go again. And then these bad turnovers happen. You know, inexcusable stuff. Yeah, I think against Indiana, we watched Patrick Williams, again, rookie, come in and have these two lazy inbounds passes. And we've seen this with, you know, Kobe White. And you can't have these things happen if you want to take the next step. And that's been a trend that's been growing for a while now with some of the guys that have been on the roster for a while, that these inopportune turnovers happen. And it's almost like they don't know how to close. They don't know how to keep a lead. You know, They don't know how to lock down and stop another team either. The defensive issues I think we all knew would be a problem. But those are the things that have to improve. And so that's really where Billy Donovan's going to have to earn the respect of us Bulls fans, respect of those players. For us Bulls fans to really know that they've turned the corner, I think that's what we have to see. We have to see those bad tendencies go away. We have to see them not turn the ball over at inopportune times when they have a lead. We have to see them close out games properly. We have to see them actually try to lock down the paint defensively and play good defense off the ball. And that's why I said it could take time. Before the season had started, you know, I, I look, I picked the over. Part two of, of our preview, Doug Tonus and I, we both picked the over. The, the line we had was 28 and a half for Bulls wins this season. We both picked the over. And we both thought low 30s for win total. Rob Schaefer was on the, in part one. And he said, I think, 31 or 32 wins for this Bulls team. But I think it's very plausible that a lot of this could change by February, March, where you start to see them get on a little bit of a run because that confidence is growing, because they get better at not turning the ball over. They improve offensively in the half court. You see more confidence out of Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. They get better at the way they play team defense. And I was thinking about this too. If I can go back to those baby bulls for a second, that was another thing that is way different some of those key pieces that I talk about with the baby bulls from, from 0405, Dang, Heinrich, Nocioni, Tyson Chandler, even Antonio Davis more off the bench. You had some guys that could not only give you some key buckets, but could get stops on the other end of the floor. On this Bulls team, if I look at the core four that we always talk about, Zach, Laurie, Wendell, Kobe, Wendell Carter, I think, is the only one I really trust as a two-way player. Now, I know some of his help defense has really struggled to start the season, but he, he got better against the Warriors Sunday night. And I think that's more of a, he had a bit of a mental brain fart, seemed like early. Things got better against the Warriors. Hopefully they continue to improve. But the other guys, I, ugh, <laughs> they kind of scare me defensively. They're a little inconsistent and that's probably putting it nicely. That's a key difference. So there's a lot of work that Billy Donovan's got cut out for him. He's going to have to find ways to make sure that he can get the most out of this team defensively. And look, if they show you that they don't have it, then that's when we can start making that assessment. So I'm, I'm of this belief that we probably are not going to know what we got until we get towards the end of January, beginning of February. 
I think we can safely say who's starting to break those bad tendencies by then. And the guys that do break those bad tendencies and do improve on the defensive end of the floor, at least we see this team playing better within a team concept defensively. And we start to see more consistency on the offensive end of the floor with turnovers getting cut down, guys showing that they can fill their roles that they have on this team properly. Then we know that there's some some guys here that we can keep, that the Bulls could say, these are pieces that we think we can win with. Maybe not because of. Maybe these guys aren't going to lead us to championships, but we can certainly win with them. That's why I'm cool letting this be a season of evaluation. You know, and I've seen some Bulls fans come out on social media and whatnot and question why Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley decided to sit back and roll back the same roster. Well, think of it this way. They're not married to what Garpak's put in place. Okay, so while technically it's been four seasons since the rebuild started, it's not their rebuild. For them, this is year one. And I know that's tough for some of us Bulls fans to, to swallow because we had to watch three years of just piss-poor play, years where they weren't really trying to win. But the truth is, Mark Eversley, Arturis Karnaschovas, this wasn't the rebuild that they put together. It wasn't. They didn't make the decision to trade Jimmy Butler away and get Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen back. They didn't draft Wendell Carter or Kobe White. You know, that was Garpax's decision. Garpax put together a rebuild that, and I've always said this, it wasn't a complete rebuild. You know, if it was a complete rebuild, they probably would have done more wheeling and dealing to acquire more draft capital, acquire more players with high upside, younger players. They didn't really do that. I mean, if we look at it, you have Zach and Laurie. Those are your key pieces from the Jimmy Butler trade. So two of those key pieces from the core four come from the Jimmy Butler trade, all right? Wendell Carter, Kobe White are your back-to-back picks at number seven in 2018-2019. And had the Bulls played this correctly, they would have had more draft capital to do some wheeling dealing to maybe move up in the draft or would have made more of a concerted effort to, and I know some people don't want to hear this, in 2018 especially to lose more games. I mean, why did you have to bring back Nikola Mirotic and have a point in the first... 33 games of the season where you were 13 and 20. Why did you have to do that? If you were really trying to lose and look at the long-term health of your franchise, that's what you should be doing. Heck, why aren't you trying to find players that you could develop? Well, because they didn't have a player development strategy. So they never had a plan to go out, find some raw talent and try to develop it. That wasn't part of their plan. So Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley come in here with a completely different philosophy than the previous regime. And they have really four key players. Two acquired from a Jimmy Butler trade, two acquired around the middle of the lottery portion of the draft. Right? Number seven picks. So what are they really supposed to do? Are they supposed to go ahead and and trade away Larry Markkinen to try to acquire some draft capital or or get a, a key player that they believe in? Well, what's Laurie Markkinen's value? Do, do, does the NBA really know that? Do Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley know what they should be looking for in terms of return value in a trade package? Sure, they've, they've evaluated him from their previous stops, but 
now they're getting a closer look at him. And also, how can you accurately appraise Mar- Laurie Markkinen's value? Like, really think about this. Laurie Markkinen's rookie season was a really solid rookie campaign. I think we all agree with that. His second year, a little more uneven, especially when Jim Boylan got the job. It was an uneven second season. Year three tanked his value. If you had traded Laurie Markkinen after his second season, you might have gotten a lot of value for him. You might have gotten another first-round pick. You might have gotten another player around the same age with similar upside. But year three didn't help his value. So now you have a new front office coming in. What are they supposed to do? Trade him at his lowest? You want to trade him at his lowest value? I get that there's a contract extension looming. I get that there's the whole restricted free agency headache you might have to go through. But, I mean, damn. What are you supposed to do? You want to trade him at his lowest value? Well, you can get something for him. Yeah, but you're not getting anything of value. You know, Do you really think you can get a lottery pick, an unprotected pick? No. So you want to get a, a protected pick. Okay. Maybe you believe in your scouting, but you know you might as well just roll with him and see if he gets better. Evaluate the situation. See what you got. What, what, what does it hurt? You know, for them, this is year one. And I know some Bulls fans don't want to hear it, but it is year one for Karnaschovas and Eversley. It sucks for us Bulls fans. It does. I am not going to lie to you. I don't like the fact that I have to be in a wait-and-see mode and not expect playoff contention right now. It sucks. But I know that was the previous regime that put us in that spot. I really think you got to give the benefit of the doubt to the new people coming in to really do their job to evaluate. One thing that I do think, they will be swift. I do think they're going to be very swift. So my point is, we have to be patient, I think, in evaluating and seeing how this turns out. If we get to February, okay, February 1, and we're seeing some of the same bad habits, we're seeing uneven play, the team is is god-awful, and they're bad defensively, and they're squandering leads within games, then we know that some of these guys might have bad tendencies. Whether it's on their own or under Jim Boylan, they develop those tendencies. It doesn't matter. We'll know that those guys don't belong in Bulls uniforms. And they'll be gone. They'll be gone. Whether they're traded away at the deadline, traded away in the offseason, allowed to walk away, so be it. Those guys won't be here. And that's part of this evaluation process. That's why I had no problem kind of rolling back with the same roster. I thought the only thing that the Bulls could do was work some magic maybe on draft night. If they wanted to move up into the top two. You know, if they if they really liked James Wiseman and they wanted to trade Wendell Carter and the number four pick to get Wiseman, fine. If they wanted to move up to get LaMelo Ball, fine. Because they have high ceilings, I'm all for it. But they didn't see it that way. They saw that they could keep what they had not have to trade any piece and acquire Patrick Williams, who they think might have a higher ceiling. You know, I'm a little skeptical on what his ceiling could, could be. I don't know if it's going to be superstar potential. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he does have that ability. But that's the approach they wanted to take. And I'm okay letting this be a season of evaluation. And I'll leave you with this. The payoff can be pretty sweet, okay? When you watch a team go through this slog, And you identify who those pieces are that do have talent and who could be key pieces to a championship puzzle. It's a lot of fun to watch the rise. 
you deal with that initial heartache of dealing with losses, but when you start to see the pieces come together, it's a pretty sweet thing. I think what we have to do a little bit here as Bulls fans, and this is tough, and even when I say this, I'm kind of fighting myself. I think we have to forget some of the last three years just a little bit. Just a little bit. I think we have to keep in mind that that is not Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley's blueprint. That's Garbhax's blueprint. With Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley coming in, adding more emphasis on scouting, adding more emphasis on player development, we have to remember that it's a totally different vision from this point on. From April 2020 to the present day, this is a different vision for the Chicago Bulls. So this is a whole new process of building a consistent playoff contender and a consistent championship contender. So we have to take a slightly different approach as Bulls fans. And I don't mean to be preachy. I don't mean to, you know, I, I, I'm not in the business of telling you how to be a fan. If you don't like this vision, if you're kind of upset that you have to go through this and continue to go through this slog of a rebuild and all of this, that's totally fine. And I have moments where I'm sitting watching these games and I'm thinking the exact same thing. Where I'm like, like really, we got to watch this? They really couldn't make one mega move to just improve this roster. Yeah, I have those moments. And that's part of being a fan. Fan is short for fanatic for a reason, okay? We have the right to, to act that way as fans. We have the right to root for a team any way we want. If, if you want to root for tanking so that way your team can rebuild and have a better long-term future, you have every right to do that. If you want to root for this team to get into the playoffs – and that's it. You just want to see them compete, get into the playoffs. You have every right to do that. You have every right to do that. That is your right as a fan. And nobody can tell you how to be a fan. And if they do, fuck them. They, they can't do that, okay? But I'm just telling you that that's something as a fan base we should consider. Just something to consider. It's a different vision. It's a different blueprint altogether. And so we have to keep that in mind. That... Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley are going to evaluate things differently. And it's probably the reason why they brought these guys back. They want to see of any of the core four, which are going to be key catalysts. And catalysts in ways where they can be contributors on an upcoming playoff or title contending team. Contributors maybe just even in trade packages. I brought that up to acquire key difference makers that could be part of your championship core. So I put that in, in air quotes that you can't see. But I think that's the key. So it's kind of weird. And I, and I know this was a little more of a, a, a tangent-based episode today. But it was coming off the heels of just my thoughts through the first three games and really thinking of those baby bulls. You know, taking stock of, of some of the past situations, making a comparison off of that. Just popped in my head, but... I did think about that. Like watching that that baby Bulls team grow was a lot of fun. And then watching, you know, the Derrick Rose Bulls grow. It was a lot of fun before they, you know, they got to that their their plateau. And maybe this could be fun too. We just got to be patient and see if they clear the hurdles. Do they clear them at some point this season? Or maybe do we have to wait until next season? We'll find out. Before I wrap up here, I just want to wish everybody who's been a loyal listener, uh, a contributor, 
as a guest on the podcast this year. I uh, want to wish all of you a very happy, safe, and healthy new year. Until then, take care, and I hope you're listening in 2021. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.